0: Holy shit, does it feel good to be back in the studio today? I am fully jazzed up. Welcome to the Hauntsville Cryptcast, everybody. I am Doza.
1: I'm Anthony.
2: I'm Anna.
0: And I wanted to start this episode today with the new segment, uh, Is My House Haunted? Because something is going on in my day-to-day and I need your help with. Is it haunted? (laughs) Theme song pending. (laughs) Anthony, I talked to you about this once before, but now it's happening again. So I need you guys to tell me whether or not my house is haunted or if I need to freak out. So twice this week and once before this, I've woken up in the middle of the night just sweating to death. And when I got up to check my thermostat, it was cranked all the way up. And like it takes a little bit of effort to do that. So it it's never like slid over before. And I don't think that that's an issue. So my heat just kept pumping all night. But right in front of the thermostat... I got an absolute chill down my spine. There was just like a big old cold spot right in front of my thermostat. So it's not registering that it's reaching that temperature. So it just doesn't stop making heat.
1: I think what's happening, Doze, is every night when you go to sleep, your landlord sneaks in and cranks up the thermostat and just waits. He waits for you to go back to sleep. <laughs> and all of the while, he's just like, He's shooting cold air at you from a distance.
2: Yeah, I think that's that's what's happening,
0: or it's your cat. My, my cat. Yeah. So so your the cats are trying to wake you up so you, you can feed them. So my house is not haunted. I mean, okay, probably. So
1: on a real note, there are ways to check for stuff like this. Obviously, hot and cold spots are uh, a good telltale sign of a haunting.
0: Wait, they'll do hot um, spots also.
1: Yeah, it's just oh. it's a major fluctuation in temperature. It's just to denote a different energy presence. But the heat is obviously coming from your thermostat being cranked up. As for the cold spot in front of it, any sort of colder area is going to be uh, colder than the heat that you're getting from what your thermostat's cranking out. So it's easy to feel like it's like a super cold spot. Definitely make sure that there's no technical issues first before declaring it a form of haunting.
0: Wow. Okay, that was actually like super helpful. I'll I'll give it another once over because this happened uh, a couple months ago. If you uh, remember, I talked to you about it. But okay, cool. So th- that will conclude this segment of Is My House Haunted? And I will check back in with you guys and let you know what the fuck is going on. So I've fulfilled my obligation. Anthony, do you want to take it from here?
1: So it's the end of the world as we know it. And <laughs> I have a high fever, a cough, and trouble breathing. We're all under quarantine right now. The coronavirus is sweeping the world, so we thought this would be a perfect opportunity to talk about our good apocalyptic friends, the zombies. There are uh, way too many zombie films, hundreds and hundreds of zombie films. It's one of the most easily made horror subgenres, and it's a completely saturated market. And for your viewing
0: pleasure, we watched all of them, so you don't have to. (laughs) That's not true. That's not true at all.
1: (laughs) But we watched a lot of them. And it's so because it's such a saturated market, it's so hit or miss every single time that you have some incredible zombie films out there and you have some that just miss the mark entirely. And honestly, what I have been finding is that some of the more uh, mass marketed Hollywood style zombie films tend to miss the mark more than some of the independent films. Sure, you get a ton of independent films that really miss the mark and are just a cut and dry. This is everything that's expected of a zombie film. But it's also where you're going to find some of the films with the most heart and the most, I guess, nuances when it comes to the subgenre. I know we talk about it a lot, but Cargo is a prime example of that. It started as a short film, independently produced, and it is easily one of the best zombie films that I have ever seen.
0: Well, I think it's a lot of like the, the Hollywood uh, zombie films that come out. Like you said, they're just kind of making them the way that they feel like a zombie movie is supposed to be made. So they have like a a list of things, like a boxes to check. Like, okay, like the zombies are like this. The We have these character tropes in it. Cool. Got it. And they just because they assume like, okay, that's what people like about zombie movies. This should be a good zombie movie. And then they just make a bad one that's
1: unfortunately i haven't gotten the chance to see it myself and i will not judge it without having seen it for myself but that's what i'm hearing a lot about the jim jarmusch um the dead don't die this film has a oh, star cast tons of zombie celebrity appearances yeah but from everything that i've heard and especially with bill murray and adam driver as the lead roles there's nothing new about it
2: so is, is bill murray playing himself in that movie
1: I don't think so. I think they're cops. But it's just like... Bill Murray and Adam Driver are a form of law enforcement. I think they're like a local sheriff's department. And I I don't know if the celebrities are playing themselves and their celebrity sightings, because they're all in this small town. I think that's more just for the fans. Here is your favorite celeb as a zombie.
2: It It doesn't sound that appealing to me, to be honest. There's not a whole lot of new zombie stuff going on right now. The, like Obviously the biggest thing that we've got currently still going on that is in the mainstream is The Walking Dead, which I don't enjoy, personally, because it's been done to death, the comics are better, <laughs> um, and I, in the one season I watched I just found everyone very annoying, which I didn't find with the comics, so I think it was a, a casting and character build-up issue in making it a TV series. I'm
0: still watching it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum from you, Anna. I am nine seasons deep. I haven't gotten into season 10 yet. But what I do love about The Walking Dead is exactly what we find in Cargo. It's the human element. Uh, It's not about the zombies. It's about the relationships that people form with each other through the apocalypse. And things like supply runs and trying to create a new normal being the center focus is what really draws me to these particular zombie films and things like The Walking Dead. It's the idea of what do you do once everything that you know has collapsed. And I think a lot of people are dealing with that now while we have this mass quarantine. Their daily lives are disrupted. Their interactions are super limited. So people are finding new ways to create a sense of normal for themselves. They're finding new ways to make their home environment more lasting. Online classes are being taught. We're using Discord right now to communicate and things like Discord and Google Hangouts are becoming essential. They're the way that people are holding business meetings. They're the way that people are spending time with their friends. Side note, Jackbox Party Packs, awesome during these times.
0: Some of them are on sale right now, just
1: saying. But I think what I want to get into more so about these films is... One, I want to talk about where they came from, because zombies have been a part of pop culture for much longer than even, you know, the big classic Romero films, which formed what we know of the genre today. But I also want to talk about some of the common causes and uh, symptoms, these zombification processes in films. Because uh, I think some of them are a more realistic threat than we give credit. We're kind of at a point in life where there's a slender margin between fantasy and reality when it comes to this type of
0: apocalypse.
2: Where does the idea of zombies come from?
0: Uh, Haitian voodoo culture.
2: That's what I thought. I just wanted to double check.
0: I feel like everybody has like in the back of their head like an, an idea. And I'm sure that when we start talking about it, listeners will be like, Oh, yeah, 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 I did know that. But... Let's jog that a little bit.
1: Yeah, there's uh, a direct correlation with uh, Haitian voodoo and zombies. It does go a little bit further back to some uh, West African traditions that weren't, uh, they didn't have the names for it that we get when it translates over to um, Haitian. The zombies that we see in Haitian voodoo and the lore there are so drastically different from what we know zombies as today. Uh, The zombies that we know today really did come from George Romero's influence, but you can see how this has evolved over time uh, throughout the genre, especially like widely considered white zombie is the first zombie film. So if we take the idea of white zombie, that is almost to the letter, the idea of the Haitian zombie.
0: Yeah, it's right. In that film,
1: you get uh, a character. Oh my God, I'm drawing a blank. What is Bela Lugosi's character's name in this?
0: Murder Legendaire.
1: Yeah, his character plays this, they call him a zombie master, but in traditional Haitian voodoo lore, he would be a bokor or a witch doctor. And it was believed that rather than these being reanimated corpses, the witch doctor would be able to trap the soul of the, uh, the victim inside the body and According to their lore, the term zombie comes from two different words, zombie, but kind of starts with an N, and zombie, and one represents the soul and one represents the body. So their idea of the zombie is a a body without a soul. So to have your soul trapped in your body and be unable to express its own will is that ultimate form of zombification, of not being able to uh act on the autonomy of your soul
2: so their zombies were basically like they could be controlled they to were a just degree, like, like these blank people without yeah. souls that like they take direction yeah. so th- so really you've got like three different types of zombie you've got like that type of zombie you've got like the romero like killer zombie the one w- who are like reanimated corpses and then you've got like ones that are affected by a virus but not necessarily dead right
0: Right. Yes. Those are like the yeah, big yeah. I think those three. are the three big camps. So the original, uh, from from my research, the Haitian zombies. One of the methods that they would use would be using the the poison from uh, porcupine fish and
1: yeah, tetrodotoxin.
0: Yes, which is referenced in in name, like in similar names in a lot of future zombie movies, but it would essentially just like numb. The part of their brain that enables them to think on their own, where they're uh, acting fully on like the base level of function, where they're uh, entirely suggestible and they would just become what is essentially like to, you know, fulfill whatever the bokor or uh, the supposed master wanted them to do and there like-
1: is a small living dead element that comes with the tetrodotoxin so yes. in more recent studies the susceptibility that comes with its side effects comes from the numbing agent in the tetrodotoxin slows down vitals enough to clinically declare somebody deceased it slows and numbs the functions of the heart, which stops blood flow from the brain. So the idea is that these people would effectively die. Uh, but when the tetrodotoxin wears off, there's usually because of the lack of oxygen and blood flow to the brain, there is an amnesia that takes place, which makes them susceptible to the first person who would give them direction as to how to relive their life, which is usually the bokor. So
0: I don't, is this, do you know if this is like more folklore where uh, they would like actually bury these people and then at a later time the bokor would go back and dig them up knowing that they're not actually dead?
1: I've heard it both ways. I've heard it where they would conduct the full ceremony of putting somebody to rest and then dig them back up. I guess it depends on the level of tetrodotoxin used. Because you could bury somebody with a larger dose and they would have more brain damage and be more zombified. But in just general witch doctor practices, they would use it as a sort of antidote, almost hold like a week, wait, you know, a couple of hours or a short period of days. And the person would quote unquote recover, but they would recover with that mental lapse.
0: Damn, this is like making my skin crawl right now. (laughs)
1: Yeah, all three of the major camps of zombie that we've talked about are absolutely plausible.
0: Are you sure about the reanimated dead, though?
1: Yeah, I wish that I weren't. In 2011, the Sapphire Center for Resuscitation Research, they conducted an experiment. Unfortunately, animal testing trigger here. They conducted it on dogs, and they conducted it on quite a few of them. Their process was to drain the blood entirely from the dogs, and through that blood drain, let them slip into—they call it a state of suspended animation—but really, they died.
0: That's no um, suspended animation is different than dying. That's that's a yeah. something that they they use in zombie movies like a lot, where they're not actually dead.
1: They were able to declare it suspended animation because they replaced the blood flow with a saline solution. Juice. Um, yeah. Uh, what they did was they let them be declared deceased for a period of time, again, taking into account things like oxygen flow to the brain and the lasting effects on what they were about to do to these dogs. And after they were declared deceased for a long enough period of time, they again swapped out the saline solution for the blood flow and in Mary Shelley fashion, electrocuted them back into starting their uh, vital organs. And in I think it was like something like 80 something percent of the cases, the dogs came back to full functionality.
0: But they're using the phrase suspended animation. I think that, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's like they're saying, this is semantics, where they're saying like, oh, these dogs are dead enough for us to start this process.
1: I think so. I think it's the idea that they could legally declare them deceased. Right. Rather than them...
0: And what is law but fucking something that we made up?
1: But I think as far as the reanimation of the dead we were on the verge of something for that to be nine years ago
0: oh don't even make me think about that
1: (laughs) right nine years ago and that's done through a resuscitation research lab like if resuscitation is the idea of bringing somebody back from the brink of death we're we're on
0: it yeah see brink like i'm talking about like a lot of this stuff is like Beyond the veil, where stuff are, people are like literally coming out of like graves, like they have been deceased for a number of years. This is like a small amount of time, right?
1: Yeah. I think when it comes to the functionality of vital organs and having our rotting corpse zombies that we've come to know in terms of resuscitation, I don't think we're on the brink of that, but I can get into another means in which that's possible.
2: That whole um, dog experiment, like some sort of weird mashup between Frankenstein and yeah. Reanimator, and that kind of creeps me out a it's little bit. It's very
0: Reanimator. It it kind of like blends the line between science and science fiction, which is like we're getting closer and closer to pushing boundaries that were just like fantastical, even like a couple decades ago.
1: I mean, the fact that they were inspired by. Mary Shelley and the research that came out of that time period in terms of electricity's function on the body. It just goes, Mary Shelley wrote that in 1817. That's 200 and something, almost 200 years before this research was conducted.
2: Wow. Yeah. And there's not really a way that she could have tested that out and known for sure. She, she was just was a just... fucking genius clever enough to think about it there
1: was yeah. research being done at the time on harnessed electricity's effects on the body
2: but what's the chances in her status and especially as a woman that she would have had access to that information?
1: being that the Shelleys were friends with people like lord byron and john polidori polidori was a medical professional i think they would have had access to at least the news about this stuff
0: well, oh, that's really cool, though, like okay. using those connections to influence yeah. your writing. Like, yo, 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 does this check out?
1: I mean, the fact of the matter was when Shelley wrote it, they were on a vacation together, holed up in some dusty old castle, doing nothing but talking to each other and then using that conversation to spark their writing.
0: That's the fucking coolest thing in the world.
1: Yeah. So. So sorry. Yeah. Two for two. We're on Truth of Zombies being a reality.
0: Oh, yeah, a lot of this is rooted in, in fact. Um, did you guys watch any of the, the early zombie movies from the 30s and 40s?
2: Um, I've watched most of the Bela Lugosi ones, like White Zombie, and I was going to use it as my recommendation, but uh, Voodoo Man.
0: Yeah, the Voodoo
1: Man. I've never seen Voodoo Man. White Zombie is one of my favorite films of all time. Uh, but White I- Zombie's
0: great to sleep to. So... Bella Lugosi was in every single one of these fucking movies. Yeah, he was. So, like, he was in uh, White Zombie, Voodoo Man, uh, Zombies on Broadway, which is a fucking what nightmare. the fuck? So it's it's a <laughs> uh, in the UK it's Loonies on Broadway.
2: Still sounds stupid.
0: <laughs> so it's it's a, a zombie movie, a zombie comedy with Bella Lugosi in it, who is acting with a bunch of people that are way way below his pay grade and so it's just like bell lagosi given his fucking all in this bad movie
1: i mean that's definitely one of the things that i love about bell Lugosi is that it wasn't a matter of pay grade he was in film for the sake of film which is why he's in everything from the time that he started his film career onward oh yeah Um, it was
2: mostly for the fact that he didn't want to be dracula anymore and he thought that the more roles he played in different films that weren't dracula might get him noticed for a different thing but he he did say a lot that he didn't want to be dracula anymore and he didn't just want to be typecast as that so i think a lot of it had to do with the fact that he just wanted people to see him as something else even though I'm sorry Bella Lugosi, but you're you, you pretty much Dracula in every film that you're in or whatever yeah. character you're given. But <laughs> he wanted to try and make a point to like break out of that stereotype.
0: Yeah, I mean like he he fucking he did it. He I was watching a bunch of these where I didn't even realize that he he was in them until I was like, hey, that's Bella Lugosi. So the Voodoo Man and um Uh, I Walk With a Zombie are both geographically and thematically Haitian, like take place like in that area with that mythology in uh, The Revolt of the Zombies and Zombies on Broadway. It's also still Haitian uh, zombie voodoo myth, but uh, they take it away from the geographic location. And that goes the type of movie up until like the 50s and 60s. Did you guys watch anything in there?
1: Yeah, because sixties mean, is where we get Romero, and he yeah. breaks that.
0: I mean, like he before breaks that. the
1: traditional Haitian voodoo zombie. I didn't watch anything before that,
0: so uh, Romero was he was definitely the first one to do zombies as reanimated dead. But before that, there are a few movies where it's the first instances of zombies craving and eating flesh, uh, as introducing during like the Hammer era. Um, introducing, oh. and you don't know zo- play like, the zombies. Yes.
2: Ah, okay. So, I completely forgot about that movie.
0: <laughs> yeah. Three years before Romero. And um, even in 61, I Eat Your Skin, which I'll, I'll talk about a little bit now, a little bit later. So those were the first instances of zombies no longer getting um, necessarily like being like the properly Haitian influence. But it's the first instance of them being cannibals and needing to eat flesh to, to persist. And, like, usually, like, they're still roused by a sort of master or controlled or something. So I Eat Your Skin in 61 was the first instance that I found of that. But it didn't get properly released until, like, the early 70s as a, uh, a double feature with... I Drink Your Blood, both of which I watched and are fucking Oh gnarly. my god,
1: I've heard of both of these films, but I've only ever heard of them together. I yes. do need to sit down and watch these.
0: So, they, I Eat Your Skin was done in the 60s, and they were trying to avoid getting, what do they call it, funding Rating. pulled? uh yes and and uh and and rated out so they waited to release it and then they ran it as a double feature with I Drink Your Blood which is so fucking intense uh we could talk about that when we get to like 70s stuff but like that is very similar to 28 days later in the range that it's like it's not reanimated corpses it's people and they have like sort of like a rabies I think it's actually like literally rabies in this one
2: it's really interesting i'd completely forgotten that plague of zombies existed until you just said it yeah and i actually didn't realize that it was before night of the living dead yep, so i 65. always assumed that it was because it's in technicolor and obviously eternal living dead is in black and white in my brain i just kind of switched the dates around yeah, it's, um, it's hard
0: to like even like consider that that there's something before yeah, that.
2: But it is really interesting because even the imagery of the zombies, like I thought Romero was the first one to have zombies that looked like that. Even and in *Plague of the Zombies*, they had like bluish skin and like white eyes, and there was like blood everywhere, and they were like eating people. And yeah, I just assumed always that that was Hammer's like take on romero rather than the fact that it was beforehand so that's really interesting
0: it's so hard to think of it like that it was romero that first kind of like took the the biggest leap away from zombie origins and made it more of a cinematic monster rather than something rooted in in folklore and now it's like Okay, this is something like these are like a creature. I read that the I forget who said it, but they were described as a vampire with a lobotomy to describe zombies, which I thought was so fucking cool.
1: Like <laughs> That's great. You got to got to eat
0: is. to eat to live. That's that's what I've got up until like the up until Night of the Living Dead. I just had to like squeeze that in there.
1: One of the things that I truly appreciate about Night of the Living Dead being the film to break that idea of uh, they're being a zombie master, they're being a witch doctor character, yes. is that especially with a protagonist of color, this film broke a major trope in the idea of characters of color being there for some sort of nefarious or mystic purpose. It takes that idea of foreign magic and fear of the foreign uh, and totally flips it on its
2: ass. I think also the fact, like, it happened to be released the same year that Martin Luther King was assassinated. So a lot of people actually, like, reacted kind of badly to it because they thought that it was, like, that they didn't understand that it had been shot, like, obviously years before, and then they were just distributing it that year. So it had no correlation. But obviously, like, it got to people at that point when it was shown because. It was, it was too soon after assassination to see what happens to... What's his character's name? I know the actor's Dwayne, John, Dwayne Jones. Dwayne Johnson. Uh, <laughs> I literally was about to say that. It was Dwayne Jones, but I can't remember what his name was in the film.
1: I haven't watched Night of the Living Dead since college.
2: I haven't watched it since I went and saw the stage adaptation a couple of months ago. Oh my god, I forgot you
1: got to do that. Um,
2: Yeah, that was super fun. I had no idea how they were going to translate it onto stage. And I'm like not much of a theater person, especially compared to you two. But it was incredible because they kind of made it into a comedy version of Night of the Living Dead. Oh. And they also gave it different endings. And it was really clever because they played out Night of the Living Dead, and then the cop made a speech at the end or whatever, and was like, "You know what they should have done? They should have locked themselves in this room." And then the whole stage turns on like this pivot wheel, and then they start again, and then have like them doing whatever the cop said at the end that like, they should have done. And it's it goes through different scenarios of like, "Oh, they should have done that," and then it spins around and they do that, and like it just proves that like. There was no way they were going to survive, whatever your advice was. Wow, that's um, awesome. So yeah, it was yeah. a great stage, ad- a stage adaptation of it. He but was getting ben, back to my way. point, Ben, thank you. Um, <laughs> getting back to that, Like, the thing is like, about that film, like, the way that Ben dies, like, the ironic feature of the fact that he can survive a whole zombie apocalypse, he got everyone else for it that he could, and then his demise is a bunch of rednecks with a gun. Like, that is the message that you can take away from that film. He did everything right. And, blah, and then some rednecks were like boom. And that's unfortunately real life for a lot of people.
0: Yeah. like A lot of that comes from the, the time when the movie came out. In the 60s having the Vietnam War be in like full swing. A lot of that inspiration went right into the horror film genre. I mean
1: that's why we're all here. That's why we all love horror. Horror has always been the most honest reflection of the human condition from its conception. Yeah, no other genre will talk openly or even metaphorically, as it is most often the case, about what's actually happening in the world. Drama does or at its least part, not in an but, entertaining way, right? Yeah,
0: and this is one of the first steps in the direction to say that like America uh, and American film goers like don't need monsters to scare them anymore. Having the sort of monsters be and the real horror be people is. So- at that time, so much scarier of a concept where it's the the horror kind of generated by mankind itself. It's got the same... Uh, None of the Living Dead's got the same kind of attitude. Romero zombies are like a combination of a zombie, like Haitian zombie, werewolf, and vampire. They're kind of like half between life and death. They eat to survive like werewolves do, and they spread their disease by biting like vampires. It was a combination of monsters and people, and that's what is the coolest thing to me, where it's like people have always been the fucking scariest thing in the world.
2: Well, yeah, even with this virus right now, I keep saying to people, the scariest thing about this virus is not that I'm scared I'm going to get the virus or that people are ill. It's scarier to know what people's reaction is.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, if we want to jump right off the idea of people are scary, we can go right back into Romero with the crazies, because while that film showcases a lot of what we know of the zombie genre in masses being the scare factor here. The Crazies is all about people's behavior. These people who are otherwise of sound body and mind and how they choose to react to this situation. Granted, it's not all reactionary. There is something more beneath the surface. I don't want to spoil The Crazies for anyone who hasn't seen it because the original and the remake are fucking gold. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just going off of the crazies, it's you're placed in real possible scenarios with real people who, to the best of your knowledge, are otherwise okay. They're not zombies. They're not monsters. They're just behaving in a way that is absolutely horrifying and putting other people in danger because of their actions.
0: Right. And, like, at a time where the family dynamic is so important and the bonds that you have with the people in your life are so important— Having these situations where it's like children killing and devouring their parents, like siblings killing and devouring each other and or killing each other in these horrible fashions like that was like the height of disturbing for the time.
1: I think it's interesting that the 60s does turn the lens back on humanity because now that I'm thinking about it in the 60s, yeah, we started getting films like uh, Night of the Living Dead. Uh, Was the Crazies the 60s?
2: I think 70s. The original was... Was it? I thought thought it was late 60s. Hang
1: on. Night of the Living Dead is 68, so I can't imagine it... It's got to be 70s.
2: 1973. Ah, you see? All right, I know.
1: Um, But we're also... (laughs) We were also getting films in the Satanic Panic genre. We're getting films in the uh, home invasion genre, like the Terror. So really, like people were the big monster in the 60s and 70s
0: going going beyond that like that's when they, like they really hit their stride and like that i think is the the sort of zombie golden age where it's like this is the scariest thing out there like and some of the best zombie movies are in this time but through oversaturation of these sort of like carbon copies of the romero films it lost a, a sort of charm to it that like brought that drew people to it uh in, in the first place where it's getting incorporated into more family friendly means like through Michael Jackson's thriller in the mid eighties where it's no longer zombies as like this horrible um thing I dare not even speak of to the point where it's like it's on T V and you can sit and you can watch it with your family on MTV at like four in the afternoon.
2: I mean the mid eighties was the time for zombies. Yeah. Like, 1985 was the year of Reanimator, Day of the Dead, and Return of the Living Dead. And Night of the Creeps was 86. Like, those two years, people were spoiled for zombie movies. And those are, like, some of the best 80s zombie movies ever.
0: Yeah, Return of the Living Dead is one of my favorite movies of all time. That's definitely my favorite.
1: I think, Anna, specifically the three that you had just mentioned, the thing that... I think we all enjoy about zombie films is when there is a sense of innovation. It's why White Zombie is amazing. It's why we all love Night of the Living Dead. We saw innovation in a genre that was already branching off and doing a lot of the same to itself. But when we get to the eighties, we start to focus a little bit less on the human condition and human reaction. When it comes to zombies And more on zombies becoming a metaphor You get Day of the Dead Which is widely Argued a metaphor for consumerism You get uh, Return of the Living Dead Which is I think To the best of my knowledge The first instance where we get zombies As a metaphor for America's fear Of chemical warfare
2: Apparently it wasn't even written In any political sense Return of the Living Dead So, Return of the Living Dead is written by John Russo, who co-wrote Night of the Living Dead with Romero. And originally, Return of the Living Dead was drafted as a serious sequel to Night of the Living Dead by Russo. But when him and Romero parted ways creatively, he kept the rights to anything with Of the Living Dead being part of the title. So no, those...
1: so it of the Living Dead was never copyrighted, which is why there are so many other filmmakers who have of the deads of the Living Dead films out there.
2: Huh? Because if you look at John Russo, then he after. put a copyright on it. I don't know when, but he put a copyright on it, and that's why he was able to do Return of the Living Dead. What i, mean, I could at... be wrong.
0: I maybe that's like a a fucking folklore thing. I don't know. I keep saying folklore. Because I feel like I remember, like, that's why they keep making, like, anybody can make an Of the Dead film.
2: Anyway, John Russo, who co-wrote Night of the Living Dead with Romero, was the writer of Return of the Living Dead. Originally a draft for a a serious sequel to Night of the Living Dead, but he didn't want to step on Romero's toes, so he rewrote it completely as a comedy version. And the original director was actually Toe Pooper and then he went to go and work on life force so they brought in dan o'bannon as the director because he'd been working on them as a on it as a producer before hooper said that he wasn't going to do it so there's a lot of really cool influences behind retelling dead as like silly and stupid of a movie as it seems (laughs) there is like a seriously cool cast behind it and it's so much fun And it's just like the essence of the '80s as well.
0: It's it's everything that I love about '80s horror mashed into a zombie movie. It's like, what more can you ask for? Exactly. But I think that a lot of the fear from the Romero's, like of the dead and like Return of the Living Dead and stuff, those stem from I think the fear of death itself, and like how we as a culture. Just like bury our dead, and we don't want to think about the people that we love, you know, rotting and decaying, and then having them rise from those graves and have to literally face the mutilated versions of people we love. I think like that is is fucking terrifying, and yeah, that's
2: ju- probably the scariest thing about most of the movies is like the thought of like what would you do if like one you of your loved ones. We're in this situation. There's plenty of people who are like, oh, I'd kill them straight away. And it's like, yeah, but could you really bring yourself to do that? And like, Karen in Night of the Living Dead is a prime example of that. Oh, yeah. Like, that's such a huge brain fuck because it's like, it's a kid. I think it was another brave move in that movie to have (laughs) um, a a kid killed and to be portrayed in that way.
1: I mean, that's the real allure of zombie films. We look at them for the people how do people react in these situations especially our protagonists do they act on a moral compass or does morality change when the laws of life and death no longer apply
2: if you think about the evolution of the different types of uh, zombies that we've been talking about during the 20s to the 50s people kind of had to ladies had to be proper ladies and men had to be proper men and like people had to listen to what other people told them to do and the basis for their zombies was being brain dead and being told what to do and controlled by someone else. Whereas in the 60s and 70s etc then there was more violence and there was more political trouble and people were really starting to see what people were capable of. Crime rates were going up, violence was going up, so that's what was focused on with those zombies. Yeah, they and start really now, getting into like
0: the apocalypse and like the, they yeah. lean really hard into the, the cannibalism and the violence.
2: And then now people are understandably, and unfortunately very realistically, scared of viruses and what the effects of those viruses are. They're scared of not being able to go to stores. They're not scared of not being able to be in contact with people. And that's what a lot of the modern films focus on.
1: In the 2000s is when we started to get these biological warfare zombies these diseases oh, yeah. again the 90s nothing innovative happened in the zombie <laughs> subgenre i i'm sorry i grew up in the 90s i love the media that happened then but there's fucking nothing
0: innovative well ca- wait, can i it. pause on a point not about the 90s because again nothing ever happened except for my recommendation but we'll talk about that later uh, <laughs> going off of the, the disease aspect like, the thought of a disease, like a zombie disease, being transmitted through physical contact and bodily fluid uh, at a time where there was an AIDS epidemic in the Americas, do you think that there's any sort of correlation between that? Because that was, like, a huge scare, specifically, like, in in places like New York, and you get a lot of those apocalypse movies taking place in in big cities like this, where there's, you know, uh, a large amount of people and a widespread panic of these people that are sick.
1: Absolutely. I think anything that is the source of news and media fear is instant territory for zombie films. It's definitely the basis of why we get into things like where we are in the 2000s of chemical and biological zombies.
2: You also learn a lot of, I think people watch zombie movies to learn what they would do in that situation as well. A lot of obviously horror fans right now are like, oh, I can deal with this because I've been preparing for the zombie apocalypse my whole life. (laughs) And while it's not exactly the same, it does actually make you think more about survival. Um, Oh, yeah. The more you watch zombie movies. Because, I mean, I've been, like, planning in my head my zombie apocalypse plan and changing it up every couple of years depending on what's going on. And that's just for fun. (laughs) Like... (laughs) I've just always been like, oh, I'd do this, and I could do that. And so I've picked up subconsciously, just from watching these films, basic survival skills somehow. Like, I know how to start a fire. I know how to make fish hooks out of wrinkles on cans. I know how to, like, I know what I would need. I know where is not a good place to, like, hold yourself. Y- you learn a lot from watching these films, which is absolutely crazy. No, it makes sense, because, like, it- it's hard to not want to put
0: yourself in that position and it, it provokes thought and and self-reflection especially in um a lot of the the films where you see there's like an isolation element it's it's hard not it's it hard not to think about like what would I do if I was alone like stuff like um last man on earth and and that oh, whole yeah. biz in, in more recent years the night eats the world like what if you were just like, one person against the universe like would you be okay and anna it seems like you'll you'll be fine so like i when the world goes to (laughs) shit like i'm i'm coming over like we'll be okay
2: i just need my archery bow that's all i need we don't have guns (laughs) and i wouldn't know how to use a gun either you just chuck it out that's the thing everyone's always like Ah, i could get access to guns like yeah but do you know how to use them because you're probably just gonna end up like hurting yourself and then you'll be useless
1: But that's the other thing, too, with this era of zombies. This is where we started deviating from headshot and vital organ being the kill button. We started getting if it's biological, if it's chemical, then it alters the composition of the body and how it functions. And it's no longer about can you kill it? It does just become can you survive? And we see that shift in Romero's filmmaking as well. He goes into survival of the dead and it's about the world anew, and zombie being the adaptation, the new normal. Everything has just shifted.
0: I feel sick. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of scary. Oh, I man.
2: I want to go back to the whole isolation thing that you mentioned, though. Yeah, 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 please. I feel like that's one of the most important things that's kind of portrayed in zombie movies. I know Last Man on Earth isn't technically a zombie movie, but, but it was inspired by I Am, I Am Legend, as was, obviously, The Omega Man and i am legend also actually romero did an interview i can't remember where but i remember reading him doing an interview where he said i basically just ripped off i am legend and i just always thought that was really funny that he just kind of came out with like yeah i just ripped it off and changed it a little bit
0: yeah well that book is so fucking good
2: <laughs> well yeah uh what was it like 1950 something probably around there
0: Even though they're not specifically
1: zombies in I Am Legend, is that the first and maybe only instance of atomic zombies in that time period? Because we got a lot of atomic monsters in the 50s, but no atomic zombies. It's the only one that
2: I can think of.
0: Yeah, other stuff you get from radiation from fucking spaceships. Which one was that?
2: Do you mean Night of the Comet?
1: Oh, no, Night of the Comet was 80s, oh. right? Yeah, I it was, Night but I mean, Comet.
2: like, I thought you meant, like, inspired by that.
0: No, one of, one of them oh. was, like, there's a spaceship that crashes, and you find out, like, that's, they, people are irradiated. Is is that? Is it killer clowns from Outer space?
2: No. <laughs> no.
1: 50s,
0: 50s. Is that the last man on Earth? Is that what I'm thinking of?
2: Was it started by a spaceship?
0: No, it was something that I watched like over the last couple of days. I I just I have so much in my brain hole that it's not even because yeah. Last
2: Man on Earth like it's just kind of like these alien type things, but they don't like they don't specifically say where they've come from or anything. Yeah, well,
0: they were. That's what a lot of that is is present in the in Night of the Living Dead also, where they're like slow moving, but the where these are like intelligent and still capable of speech, but like. If you put them side by side, it would be hard to tell them apart. Otherwise, just like visually the way from the way that they move. That's true. Let's see. Zombie, zombie, alien, alien, radiation. (laughs) (laughs) Google help me.
1: Yeah, I just think it was interesting that we did not get for an era that gave us the atomic monsters. We didn't get atomic zombies when zombies were clearly still in the spotlight of cinema at the time.
2: Yeah, I think the 50s was more focused on, like, uh, sci-fi rather than, like... I feel like the 50s people weren't... Wanted, like, tamer entertainment. Because, I mean, even when, like, rock and roll came in, then, like, they freaked the fuck out. They were pretty sensitive in the 50s. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I give them
1: them justification. I mean they just just went through off a world war. war.
2: Yeah, exactly. So I don't blame them. They wanted everything to be like nice and neat and tidy and lovely. So definitely don't blame them for that. My main point was supposed to be about isolation, sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. (laughs) Night of the
1: comet is a great start for that.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I was gonna say, like, with Last Man on Earth, obviously, like that was the first film I really watched when I was younger and was like I just felt his isolation, which is it's just obviously, like, a testament to Vincent Price's acting, but also the way that the film is shot. Um, but even in Night of the Living Dead, like, the sort of film noir-style lighting, especially when they're in the basement, it does this thing to you that instantly makes you feel isolated, which is just, like, one of my favourite thing about zombie movies is when they try and make you feel isolated, they do it use If they're smart, they do it using... <laughs> lighting and sound like if they've had you know a more lively score going on during the movie when there's action and then someone's on their own like they'll cut the music for a bit and like just even tiny things like that or they'll like dim the lighting and then have someone like just sort of the center light on the person in the middle of the room and like little just cinematic techniques like that that convey isolation is one of my favorite things about zombie movies because it's utilized so well in so many different movies have you guys seen the night eats the world
0: never even heard of it so it's a it's a French zombie film and it's like the the wreck franchise like the first one it takes place in an apartment building but it's one guy in his apartment building going from apartment to apartment trying to clear it out and just kind of like survive and it is like heart-wrenchingly tense uh just watching him try to you know scavenge for supplies and at one point he finds a cat outside he's like oh fuck i gotta rescue this cat and it just like (laughs) i put myself right in those shoes because i was like i'm right there with you buddy but just like the way that it's shot and the the score it really like it puts into perspective like how big the world is in comparison to how small his space is and how small he is as a person and it makes you feel almost sort of claustrophobic watching it but it's just like with all that's going on now and like being alone anytime i'm not with you guys or at work it just like and then having watched all these movies back to back over the last couple of days there's barely any human left in my body i'm just like a ghost
1: I don't know if you guys got the chance to check it out, but it's currently on Netflix. I have it on DVD. Uh, There's a film called Carriers. Carriers came out in 2009. I can't for the life of me think of anything that was going on in 2009. I was graduating high school, so I didn't really give a shit. I rewatched Carriers in preparation for this episode. For some reason, in my mind, it struck me as a zombie film, but in rewatching it, it's not. There's no zombies per se, but there is an infection and it follows all the beat points of a zombie film but it does something really nice in making this infection really be this this mass pandemic and it's so the symptoms of the infection and uh, what these people are going through is so on point with what we're going through with the coronavirus right now. There's a scene in the opening of the film where our protagonists run out of gas. And they go back to a hitchhiker that they found who had also run out of gas. Sorry, I know their car breaks down, but they have gas. So they take the guy's car and they completely disinfect the whole thing beforehand. Like everybody's doing now. They're carrying the base necessities and tons of cleaning product and everything. They ne- are never without their masks because it's an airborne virus. It's an awesome showcase of the human condition, isolation, and all the things that we love about zombie films without the zombies, which I know is a big point in why we like uh, Cargo so much. It's a zombie film without the zombies.
0: Where where did you watch that? Because that I have like goosebumps thinking about that. That sounds awesome.
1: It's on Netflix right now. So grab it in while you US. can because in the US. Oh.
2: Yeah. Not here. But we do have The Cured on UK Netflix and I haven't seen it yet. And I really want to see it if anyone who listens to this checks checks it out before me then um yeah let me know what you think of it cuz it sounds like such an original concept
1: i love it there's not enough aftermath films when it comes to zombies that i love the idea of what happens after that's why as much as it's not the greatest film i love survival of the dead uh it's obviously not one of Romero's, you know shining achievements but we've been watching the of the dead films for so long it's great to see the world new and from what i understand about the cured this is the only zombie film that i can think of where they have found a cure
2: yeah and then they're like i can't
1: think of shit otherwise
2: yeah it's just the fact that like they've been reformed and they're like they remember everything they did while they were a zombie or while they're infected even but now they're just going back to life and it's like how do they psychologically deal with what they did to people how do people who they attacked psychologically deal with them yeah it sounds like such an interesting film
0: what about warm bodies like i
1: said doza i can't think of (laughs) anything else where they've found a cure uh nothing nothing worth
0: mentioning here but mm. (laughs) but like even even as a, a plot point like usually like anything that gets to that is something that they'll do in the third act of the film it'll be the resolution but having this be the entirety of the plot like oh we're starting here is entirely unique and i again also can't wait to watch this if i can find a way i'll have to spend the five fucking bucks and rent it or whatever (laughs) god help me Um, are we
2: on to talking about virus films then
0: I think we've been on to talking
1: about <laughs> virus films. <laughs>
0: we've been dancing um, around. Oh, I just have... Oh, I'm sorry. Go for it. So the movie that I was thinking of before is indeed... With the spaceship? Night of the Living Dead. It wasn't a spaceship. Space, a radiation from a space probe that crashed back okay. to Earth. So I remember hearing <laughs> something about that, and I was going to go crazy if I didn't say it.
1: Before we go off more into virus films uh because anna you started talking about films where the world is anew. i just want to i just want to touch on this film if anybody out there has the chance to see fido
2: it is one of my
1: favorite zombie films i've
2: heard of that but i haven't seen it
1: because we didn't get a lot of atomic zombies in the 50s fido is an atomic zombie film it takes place in the 50s after World War II, it's alternate history, or maybe it's World War Three. I haven't seen it in a while, and it's future. Uh, But it's got a 50s Leave it to Beaver vibe throughout the whole film. Everything is picture perfect. And in the world anew, humans and zombies are separated, but they've created, rather than a cure, a system of, like, obedience collars where they've reintegrated zombies into society. And... Uh, as we see throughout the Romero films where zombies are coming back into habits that they knew in life, um, especially from Land of the Dead up to Survival of the Dead. This film just, it takes that idea of zombies having the ability to do menial tasks and reintegrate into society and relearn how to be human and puts that into the new world.
0: That sounds great. Yeah, yeah it's very good. It's, it's a like,
1: ton of fun.
0: It's like Harry and the Hendersons, but with a zombie. <laughs> so let's get sick ugh
1: <laughs> sorry my big virus film is absolutely carriers I can't stress enough how good this film is
2: you've been talking about it all week even though you only watched it again like yesterday so um
1: <laughs> cause I forgot how much I love this film until we were like yeah let's talk about zombies and it's like oh my god I forgot about
2: carriers <laughs> <laughs> My favorite virus one is a film that I probably talked about way too often, and I don't think either of you have even seen it yet, Uh, Pontypool. I've seen it. I have not. Oh, you have seen it, cool. Yeah, Radio Station, Um, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm
1: here to consistently fail you guys, because I also (laughs) haven't seen Wreck.
2: Oh, Oh, I know. Yeah, that's that's one of my other favorite virus ones. But anyway, Pontypool, 2008. So the the virus is, it's not really a spoiler, just... (laughs) <laughs> anyway, it's not a spoiler. It, the virus is uh, spread through English language, which is really interesting because the whole thing is set in and like there's only one location, like two pre-actors, which makes it all the more interesting in terms of isolation and things like that. But they own they're working at a radio station, and they actually find out that the virus is spreading just from being like going, oh, we're going to go to this news reporter, and then they're like, oh, there's apparently this mild thing happening and then they'll like get it while they're talking to them and that's how they figure out that like this is happening it's just interesting that it's not just english language there's certain words that that trigger certain people so dozer might get infected by the word pumpkin
0: how did you
2: know <laughs> and someone <laughs> says the word pumpkin and then he'll be like pumpkin 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 and he'll repeat it that's why I freak out um, every Halloween. Then they just get more and more violent because of the confusion over not being able to do anything but repeat the same word or think the same word and it sort of zones them out and then puts them into this like violent state. Whereas like Anthony's trigger could be like the word broccoli. Sure is. Yep. That's what <laughs> I thought of it. <laughs> yeah, I just it's just such an interesting concept and it doesn't sound as interesting as it actually is when I'm explaining it. Fantastically acted fantastically written the lighting is beautiful like the whole film i just find absolutely gorgeous and it's just such an interesting way of spreading a virus and getting a really real reaction as well so that's definitely one of my favorites in terms of like originality
0: it's one of the coolest i watched it like on a on a whim one day because i thought you my mentality of like oh you know i just want to put something on for, for background noise, I'm like, oh, this sounds stupid. But it's just because that's the name of the town. Yeah. What When I it went on and it was like engaging and a unique zombie movie, I was like hooked. And I just didn't get any of my work done.
2: Yeah, I, I did the same thing. I put it on because I thought it sounded kind of stupid and it turned out great. But I, I did the same thing with Martyrs. I thought Martyrs sounded really stupid and I thought I could sleep to it. And I was very, very wrong. So when a movie sounds stupid, most of the time it, it probably isn't.
0: Yeah, we're a bunch of knuckleheads <laughs> that read a word and go, ah, eh, fuck it. <laughs> uh, I think like the most plausible one of these scenarios is one of the the scariest and some of my favorites is like the rabies okay. sort of vibe. Cool, cool. Um, Sorry. Oh, no, don't. <laughs> but like the the stuff like 28 Days Later with the Rage Monkey Virus, I Drink Your Blood which is literally, it's literally rabies wreck. And then subsequently the remake Quarantine is I think also literally rabies. It's something that can (laughs) to a degree happen.
1: Uh, Even just going back to the early Romero films, rabies research was really big in the sixties. And that's what spurred that as the idea of like, this is the way to transfer it. That's why the bite is so popular rather than where we eventually move to where it's either airborne or uh, sickness or something, which is why a lot of the like mob zombies have that baseline mentality of I'm only functioning off
0: of eat and spread. That's very present in in a lot of these. And just like even medically, the symptoms of rabies are uh, irritability, hyperaggression, uh, excessive movements or agitation uh confusion, hallucinations, muscle spasms, and so just like all these like if you saw somebody <laughs> in in your direct vicinity that was like twitching and growling, it, like that <laughs> is fucking terrifying. And then like putting it in a situation like an apartment building, for example, is so scary because it's like it's hyper contagious and it infects very, very quickly.
2: I think that's one of the scariest parts of Wreck, is when they're like, oh shit, there's a virus, and so they go to leave, and then, like, there's people outside saying, like, no, you're quarantined, you're not allowed out, and they're like, but my wife's out there, or, like, oh, but we need to get out of here, and they're like, nope, you're not allowed to leave, you have to stay in this building, even though there's an infection. And that's terrifying from the get-go. And that's before anything really happens. You're like, oh shit. People separated from their family and can't go anywhere. And I've seen Quarantine. I like Quarantine. Quarantine and Wreck are not the same thing. I have to stress okay. that I'm very aware that Quarantine is supposed to be a word word remake of Wreck. But Wreck is so good for, one, the actors. Two, the lighting. None of the things that are in Quarantine, basically, from what I've seen. And Wreck has such a good, like... It just has such a good way of presenting it. They build up Quarantine so much tension.
1: In the same way, from what I understand. You
2: haven't seen it. You're not allowed right, to but make from judgments the like that. The way
1: the film is presented. On a I.e. through a newscaster.
2: No, that's not what I mean. I mean, in terms of cinematography, in terms of lighting, that's what the way that it's presented. Yeah, like, they have the same plot, uh, And even, even the trailer the of Quarantine, <laughs> I can see that the lighting is completely different, that they're doing it, com- like, it's completely different. Um, it's
1: very green.
2: Yeah, no, Rec's not. <laughs>
0: that's just that, that one sequence at the very end. And also, Rec has a better franchise, because from the third movie on, it just goes, like, absolutely off the chain, and you got Chainsaw Bride, and it's fucking awesome.
2: Okay, so I've only seen the first two wrecks because I saw a poster for Wreck 3 and I thought it looked stupid and not anything like the other two. Because Wreck 1 and 2 are based in the same building, straight after one another, and they're based on the same story. Whereas 3 doesn't look like it's based on anything to do with Wreck 1 or 2.
0: 3 is at a wedding, 4 is on a cruise ship. They're very, very different. Not as good as the first two, but still fun watches i think anthony you probably enjoy those more so than the quarantine but who knows Um, i mean
1: chainsaw bride sounds right up my alley that's what i'm I'm saying (laughs) i'll watch anything with chainsaws except mandy again
2: but with Wreck, though it's it's really interesting that the second one is about religion and zombies that that really like threw me when i found out like the basis of Wreck. In terms of the second one, they were introducing it as a, there was a purposeful virus and it was started by the church sort of thing. Like that blew my mind.
0: It's it's very, very strange. And like when you find that out, like I think I made like an audible like, oh, <laughs> the, the iterations of it being like an intentional infection make me so disgusted like <laughs> in, in my stomach. I, uh, I don't know. It bugs me out, makes my skin
2: crawl. What? Sorry, I just got a text in the group chat from work saying that work's being closed down.
0: Yeah, so you might be going into a literal wreck. I, yeah. I mean quarantine, because they're the same, right? And
2: it's really strange that while we're recording this episode and I'm getting lost in it all being fiction again, there is real things happening. Yeah, like a lot speak. of the same
0: shit is going is going on, like right outside. Well, I'm sitting by a window too. I'm freaking out. But the the purposeful infection is is such like a, a gross and chilling sort of plot. And I drink your blood. It's it's also rabies. But it's a, a local kid as as vengeance kills a rabid dog and infects a bunch of pies from like the local pie shop in this small town that everybody goes to. So this one kid with a fucking a grudge, rightfully so, infects everybody in town with the, this rapies virus.
1: I can't wait to watch all of these.
0: Yeah, there's so many good ones, but like, please. Except,
1: wreck, I get off on disappointing you guys more than watching good films.
0: Whatever, dude. I just
2: feel sorry for you. because yeah, it's your like, loss. You'll mi- yeah, you're missing out on... Every time we tell you that you should watch something, you don't watch it. And He's,
0: he's got defiance disorder, where he's not yeah. allowed to do anything that someone tells him to.
2: I tried dating him. God. i tried. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, uh, you guys haven't seen either of the Cronenberg the zombie films?
1: No. I have not seen enough Cronenberg films, and I do need to change that.
0: Somehow I became like the Cronenberg guy on the podcast. I don't know what what the hell happened. I don't even really like body horror that much. I think it's, I just think it's interesting. But he did uh, Shivers in 75 and then Rabbit in 77. They're both so gross, but kind of like unique takes on uh, a zombie sort of outbreak. Where in Shivers, uh, it's also known as the Parasite Murders or They Came From Within the zombie sort of virus is transmitted through these parasitic worms similar to slither slither <laughs> this guy it's sexually transmitted parasitic worms and so uh, that turns you into a sort of like rage person who whose only goal is to Infect other people with these worms. And it's it's kind of upsetting and super super gross. But in a similar vein, he also did rabid, which is <laughs> very strange. It's about a woman who gets into a motorcycle accident, I think. And during her rehabilitation, they give her a weird surgery that gives her like a sort of like stinger. And she uses it to infect like all men that make advances on her and it turns them into rabies zombies uh another one that's super gross i've never seen anything like this one before or since so if you guys don't get yucked out too easily these are some pretty gnarly zombie flicks
1: I do want to jump off of shivers because I have another real world point here. We've talked about the spread through disease. We've talked about the spread through reanimated dead. We've talked about the real world voodoo effect. I still want to keep this in line with the spread of disease because it is still biological. But there are living things in our physical reality that have these zombification properties. There is a breed of flatworm. I think they're called the Brood Sack. What? Um, that sounds yeah. like a wrestling so,
2: gang.
0: The Brood Sack?
1: <laughs> the Brood Sack. We're they're the Brood a sack boys. Of, they're a, bro- a breed of flatworm that their whole purpose is to get ingested, and then they take up the bigger host— And they convince the bigger host by taking over its body to put itself in a dangerous situation and be consumed by a bigger host and then take on the bigger host to just continue this zombification cycle of eat and be eaten. And it's just the idea that while it hasn't been shown to affect humans, it's gone pretty far up into the animal chain from flatworm to uh, birds and I think cats that this is just this worm's desire to spread and die exists. This is something real. And to, for shivers to be uh, based off of a uh, parasitic worm, this is probably the closest thing we have in our reality to
2: that. Holy shit. I'm point I'd say this about an animal, but what dick. You're for real. <laughs> like, your purpose is to just spread and infect things
0: self-preservation over anything else that's like the basest form of of life i guess there's also i mean i
1: get the idea of becoming a bigger predator but it just it never stops it never stops trying to become the bigger predator so like how long until it mutates and then we are the bigger predator
0: that's like the plot of splinter you guys seen that one that's fucked up
1: no I've never even heard of it.
0: So kind of like that, it's uh, it starts with like, yeah, oh, that's so weird. So like a very, very small, I think it starts with like a rat or something that gets run over by a car. And like the real world fungus, Cordyceps, uh, it gets uh, its spores, which are these quills stuck in the tires that then get stuck into this guy's hand. And it slowly starts to I- infect up his body as it's uh, assimilating these smaller creatures and sort of taking over their mind where they their goal just becomes like spread, grow, spread, grow until it starts taking over these people. And there's a couple of really cool zombie-ish instances in this one where some of the severed parts act on their own and then two halves of two different people get stitched together and become this sort of like mass of zombie quills. And it's horrid (laughs) i'm glad you brought up
1: cordyceps because i could never remember the name of the fungus but again real world fungus whose sole purpose is spread and zombification i don't know if you know about how cordyceps affect their host but they're spores that get consumed and as they get consumed they latch on to specifically uh motor points in the body And they spread until they cause an atrophy, and they kill off the internal workings of that part, but continue its functionality. They adapt through muscle memory, where an arm will still act as an arm, but now this sole arm is controlled only by the cordyceps and not the creature itself anymore, until it consumes the entire internal workings of the specimen and becomes... This new breed of it. There's a study done with crickets where kind of similar to splinter, the cordyceps would infect throughout the entirety of the body until they burst from without it and would just consume other crickets. They would consume living matter as this full-blown (laughs) fungus. Oh, my
0: God. I don't like that you kept saying arm. Like, this can't happen to me, right? (laughs) So, again, uh, similar to the (laughs) Say Say no. (laughs) <laughs>
1: similar to the flatworms it hasn't been shown <laughs> to affect humans or oh larger god. predators so far cordyceps are mostly shown in insects and rodents
0: all right fucking good enough oh my god i'm i need to get out of this episode <laughs> we can't <called. laughs> no, we're just, living in it
1: yeah <laughs> if we leave this episode we go back out into carriers we go into the coronavirus
2: <laughs> oh. Wow. This this is super depressing, guys.
0: Yeah, this took a turn real quick.
1: It's just, I think it's absolutely fascinating how slender that margin of reality has become. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We have have the ability to reanimate the dead. We have these true world voodoo practices that create zombies. And we have these diseases and parasites that can cause what we've known as fiction for so long.
0: We're in it. (laughs) Time to start enacting those plans, people. Not to incite a riot or anything. But Anna, I'm coming over and you're going to protect me.
1: Yeah. Be prepared, everybody. Just be prepared. No reason to panic. Just know what you're in for. And wash your
0: hands. (laughs) Wash. Yeah,
2: in all honesty, don't actually panic. It's going to make it so much worse. And that's what is actually going to make this whole situation in real life worse. Is people panicking... People not trusting people. Like the best thing that is gonna get everyone through this actual real life situation is genuinely just being kind to other people. It's exactly the same as every single day. If you be kind, but from a distance. Yeah, but I mean, like, do like what I've been trying to tell people a lot. um Like here, um there's supposed to be a quarantine of over seventies, and I generally worry about how lonely that age range might get. So if you're able to and you have neighbors that can't get out of the house or they're more at risk than you are and you're able to like go to the store and pick something up for them, just like drop a note under their door Aww. like and just be like, hey, if you want anything, here's my number. Give me a call. I can drop it outside your house. Just little things so real like quick,
1: that. On that note of affecting over 70s that's the right. fact that this is so it still obviously affects everyone but the symptoms don't really show in children instantly brought me to cooties cooties is so fucking good
2: oh. i haven't seen it
1: Kid, oh man kids only I, baby. i'll watch elijah wood in anything
2: oh that's why i haven't watched it i remember now whoa, whoa. um <laughs>
1: Um, Anne doesn't like Elijah Wood, but I, I have this it, that's theory- That's
2: not actually that... why I haven't watched it.
0: <laughs> it's because his eyes freak you out, right?
2: I, I don't actually like his acting at all. He seems like he'd be a really fun guy to like actually just hang out with, but I, as, as an actor, so, I don't actually like his acting technique. It's nothing against him as a person.
0: <laughs> Let
1: me tell you guys my theory. Elijah Wood is not acting. Elijah Wood came straight out of Middle Earth, and from then on, he's been trying to reintegrate him into society- and people just keep recording him in these terrible situations that his normal life boy keeps getting into. He tried to just become a regular school teacher. Cooties. He tried to just live a normal life in his shitty apartment. Dirk Gently. Man, Elijah Wood can't catch a break. He tries to get a dog. Wilford.
2: I don't think that he was in- correct, because otherwise he would have been a more convincing hobbit. He was in stuff before that. Yeah, he was He was in Faculty, right? Oh my god, yeah. he was. Um, I haven't
1: thought about the Faculty in a hot minute.
2: I love Faculty. It was like my Guilty Pleasure <laughs> movie when I was a kid. Um, Are
1: Body Snatchers zombies? No. No, not really. Okay, because that goes into the Parasite Strain. No, I've got
2: a whole bunch of Buffy episodes to talk about, so let's not go down that route. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was what was happening in the 90s. Aliens. Aliens. Ugh. Fucking X-Files, X- Buffy, real.
0: all that shit. Yeah, speaking of getting, getting, getting you out of here, Anthony, <laughs> get us out of here. Do you guys want your fear of the day, or
1: do you want to do recommendations first?
0: I forget what we normally do.
2: Yeah, just do fear of the day, yeah.
1: Yeah, give it. <laughs> okay, so the fear of the day is aremophobia.
2: Is it fear of cannibals? The fear of being controlled
1: now now that we all have that cuz we're afraid of getting consumed by bugs and parasites and fungi yeah it's on my mind like literally i can feel it back <laughs> i
0: could feel it back there
1: <laughs> Aremophobia is the fear of isolation
0: ah wow i think does he if I you got it no i'm just bored
1: <laughs> We're all getting a little bit of the crazies here. Doza and I have just like spontaneously burst into nonsense and song. Not that that's really any different from any other day, but we haven't seen each other (laughs) since the quarantine's been enacted and it's it's just been
2: chaos. I'm acting no different because self-isolation is kind of the theme of my life anyway. So I'm having a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, you're taking the quarantine a little too seriously. You went 3,000 miles away. Yeah, I find it a little suspicious that you left (laughs) six months before this quarantine. Did you know that this was coming? She did, because the first case was in November.
2: (laughs) Then I would have come back if I knew this was going to happen.
0: Well, you got me there.
2: (laughs) You guys have each other to survive the apocalypse. I've got me and me.
0: I trade you for Anthony in a fucking heartbeat. This is a nightmare. (laughs) I don't blame you. (laughs) So who's got recommendations?
1: Can I can I have a small threefer? Would you guys allot me that favor? What? Yeah, but do
0: knock them out, rapid fire. Okay, bam, ba bam. All
1: right. So number one, I would like to recommend Burying the X. It's a zombie film. It's a romantic comedy. I love it. It's Holy so shit. good. It's so fun. Zombies are a little bit more on the Evil Dead style. I can't believe we didn't talk about possession style zombies. Can't believe we didn't um, talk about Evil Dead. Yeah, we're fools. <laughs> so burying the X. Dance of the Dead, which is the classic zombie prom style fucking film. This is a ton of fun, but it's a zombie prom in like the early 2000s. The score is dope. There's a sick cover of Pat Benatar's Shadows of the Night. And my last one, you guys are really going to have to trust me on this one. Zombie Strippers is a great zombie film. Sure is, bud. (laughs) Okay. That's my, uh, my trilogy of terror, if you will. Boo.
2: my recommendation is going back to one that i lightly mentioned the name of earlier uh night of the creeps from 1986 it's so much fun and the coolest thing about night of the creeps is it was written in one week yeah and so fred decker the director who also did monster squad his whole aim for night of the creeps was to write Within one week he set himself one week to write the script. He wanted to put every single B movie trope that he could put in a film and combine it with zombies. And the whole film is just really fun and it pays complete homage to like everything in horror that's ever come before it. Like even the characters are named after like specific directors and stuff like that. It's it's just it's a ton of fun.
0: Is there a prom in this one also?
2: Yeah, I remember there being a prom. I haven't watched it in ages. I was just like looking through my films when we said that we're going to do zombies and I literally just kind of wrote down a list of the titles of some of the ones that I have lying around my house.
0: Night of the Creeps is also a great pick. So Anna, you mentioned before, have you seen Cemetery Man?
2: No, I haven't seen it. Okay.
0: So my recommendation is (laughs) Cemetery Man or in Italian, Della Morte dell'Amore, which is of, of death and of love or about death or about love. I don't know, but this movie is fucking bonkers. It is the most Lucio Fulci movie that wasn't made by him that I've ever seen. It's about a grave digger who, not a grave digger, he's a cemetery caretaker, who notices that seven days after somebody is dead, they rise from their grave, and he just goes about his business and fucking every every week. Kills him. <laughs> yeah. It's it's that fucking so nuts. much like Buffy. It's it's very that if Buffy had like a substance abuse problem and a gun.
2: <laughs> that would have been so much more interesting.
0: <laughs> like you guys go, gotta watch the I'll show you the trailer after this. Like literally, like every two seconds in the trailer, he's pointing the gun in somebody's face without even looking at them. It gets to the point where he's fed up with his job of killing the dead, and he's like How do I stop this from happening? He's like, oh, what if I just kill them while they're alive? Oh, and it's just me. So, yeah, absolutely. But it's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of the dialogue is so incredibly funny, whether intentionally or not. I was fucking losing my mind. So please watch Cemetery Man. Holy shit.
2: And everyone watch Evil Dead all the time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, all day or day.
2: I feel like we didn't mention it because it just goes without saying that Evil Dead is incredible oh yeah
1: wash your filthy hands you primitive screwheads! yeah that too and with that thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the hauntsville cryptcast i'm anthony i'm dozer i'm anna happy hauntings see you in hell